Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. afternoon, my conscious co-creators. Welcome to another edition of the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. I am very, very pleased that you are here with me today and on the Facebook live stream as well. I know we've got some wonderful uh, listeners there. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for the thumbs up. Um, make sure you check us out. Um, if you would like to see the video, you can just go to um, my personal timeline on Facebook, which is Sam Lebowitz. Um, we've got a great show in store for you today with a guest in studio. You know what that means. That means you don't have to look at my face all the, for the whole hour on the Facebook live stream. You get to see my pretty guest um, once we get past our quotes of the day. I know you've been waiting all week long, so let's see what the universe and Abraham have in store for us today. First, from the universe. So, I was talking with this tree a while back. Quote, universe, it said to me, yeah. When I come back, I don't want to, to be just wood. Well, I thought aloud, what's wrong with being wood? It's hard, the tree said, with, without cracking a smile. When I come back, I want to be soft and furry so that I'll be loved by children. And I thought and thought and thought and finally asked why not be tall and strong just as you are and be loved by children and the children came to play tally ho the universe <laughs> ah, we love our quotes from mike dooley in the universe uh, reminding us you know sometimes we have this tendency to think oh i want to be different i want to be this i want to be that and we lose when we when we feel that way we kind of lose our own magic we we kind of forget um what we bring to the table as we are and and what's special about us the way we are you know we can always look at you know how can we be different and why being different might be better or we can look at why how we are is good, why it's great, and why it's something uh, to embrace. So, um, yeah, I mean, I kind of relate to this quote because, yeah, you know, it's nice being the tall, strong tree. Um, but sometimes it's nice to be, you know, some small fluffy furry animal like our little chicken up on the healing farm a little chick that's our mascot <laughs> um or or uh you know to be something different but uh sometimes it just takes a different perspective it just takes looking at things a little differently to see how exactly what we are is exactly the best thing for us so 
Very nice, lovely quote from the universe to keep in mind. And let's see what Abraham has in store for us today. Being in love is so good for you. Often, when people are newly in love, things that have been bothering them for a long time get better. Something wonderful is calling the majority of their attention, so they're holding themselves in a better vibrational place. So the stuff we've been wanting all along can now zoom in. Abraham. This is an interesting quote. I haven't had too many quotes from Abraham talking about love in in quite this way. Um... But being in love. So why is being in love so good for us? Because when we're in love, it's not just about all being all goo-goo eyes over somebody else and, you know, feeling this connection. But it's really what makes it so special is about how we feel inside. And why is that important? Because how we feel inside kind of dictates what we can let in, dictates sort of what we're experiencing of life. And the better we feel about ourselves, about just life in general, the more that raises our energetic presence and then the more good stuff we allow in. And so it's not just about feeling better. It's not just about, you know, feeling so that warmth inside, feeling that that flutter in our heart. Yeah, that that's wonderful, that feeling. But being in alignment with that feeling allows us to create all kinds of wonderful, great stuff in our life, in, in the world around us. And suddenly things that weren't like happening so well before just suddenly start to naturally occur in our lives. So, yeah, being in love is good for us. Sure, it releases all these wonderful uh, chemicals in the body. It, it, it probably releases more dopamine, more serotonin, you know, makes us feel good in our bodies. But energetically, it does something to us. Energetically, it, it raises our ability to accept and to attract more of those other high vibrational things in life. So it's not just like we're feeling good, but you know, wonderful things start to happen. We make great connections. And, and it's not just about this other person or other people who are the objects of our affection. It's about people in general in our lives. So being in love, yes, yes good stuff and you know what better thing is there to be in love with than what we truly are i mean these two quotes going back to the quote from the universe you know what's wrong with being in love with being a tree or being a dolphin or being a rock or or being a horse being in love with exactly what you are with your own unique aspect in life you know that's a wonderful wonderful thing uh, for us all to keep in mind. So two great quotes from the universe and Abraham, and I have a sneaking suspicion they're going to be pretty apropos for what we're going to talk about today. Now, before I introduce our guests, let me just switch the camera around. Let me first show you a big hello to our interns, Carrigan and Leia. Wave for the 
camera for our audience on the Facebook live stream. <laughs> yes, and uh, they've been great, great interns. They've been working with us here in the station for a couple of weeks now. And let me now introduce to you my wonderful, wonderful guest, Maria Guida, who is a speaking skills expert and executive speech coach. Maria works with business owners to develop their power speaking. Her programs have improved performance for attorneys, finance professionals, CPAs, professional speakers, and many others. With her experience as an adjunct professional professor at NYU and an actor on Broadway, TV, and film. Maria specializes in influencing techniques that create a leadership presence, building trust and engaging listeners with authority, authenticity, and power. Ooh, I love that. Maria does a huge number of things, including serving on the board of the local chapter of the National Speakers Association here in New York City, and is a member of the American Society for Training and Development, Actors Equity, and the Screen Actors Guild. And I am very, very pleased that she is here with us today in studio for the Conscious Consultant Hour. Welcome, Maria. Thank you so much, Sam. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, it's wonderful to have you here. Um, uh, wow, I mean, it, this is great. I mean, you're an actor. You've worked with, on some you know, popular uh, TV shows. You've worked in film and on stage. Um, I'm curious, uh, were you always sort of looking to be a performer uh, when you were younger? Oh, yes. I wanted to be an actor from a very early age. I always knew that I wanted to be an actor. Ah, you just love being out in front of people. Well, I don't know if it's so much that, but what it really excited me was exploring the range of my character, my true character, the range of mm. who I am, my personality, and how I can make that work to assume other roles, to explore other aspects of ah. human behavior, because okay. that's what actors are. We're, we're basically scientists of behavior or right. artists about beha human behavior. That's the interest. The appetite is how do people behave under certain circumstances? Mm, and that's, what, that's yeah. what the actor's world really is. Right. It's like learning to get literally into the skin of the character that you're going to play and, and really understanding them at a deep level so that you can assume and be that representative for that character in whatever type of performance that you're doing at the time. Yes, and it's important to really identify with that character. I need to find what it is inside me right. that is inside that particular character because there's nothing that any character has ever felt or done that I am not capable of doing or feeling or that you are not capable of doing or feeling. It's the commonality of right. humanity that we have to look for and find out how we can behave under a certain set of circumstances that are given by the playwright mm, yes yes and 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 i'm sure later on we'll talk about how that's kind of relevant for just standing up and doing a presentation absolutely in front of a board uh just first i'm curious so of all the different types of acting that you've done which one did you love being the most did you prefer being on on the stage or in film like or in tv like which did you really like lit you up more than the others i love the stage i love you doing love shakespeare stage. and chekhov ah. and ibsen i love the classic plays i love tennessee williams i played uh, the lead roles in orpheus descending oh, and wow. rose tattoo uh, ah. by tennessee williams and uh 
I've done a number of uh, Chekhov plays and Shakespeare. So that's really my first love. That's what I l- absolutely love doing. Wonderful. And, and you're not just an actor, you're also a singer. I am a singer. I'm a jazz singer. I was trained classically. And ah. then sometime about, uh, I would say, oh, probably about 25 years ago, I started singing jazz, and so I have a wonderful jazz trio, and I work with them regularly around New York City and other areas. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Well, we'll see. Maybe later in the show, if our audience is real good, we'll coax you to do a (laughs) a short ditty for us. (laughs) Um, So so I'm curious, uh, career as a performer... Um, has now kind of morphed into doing something a bit different. I'm wondering if you could just sort of take us a little bit on your journey of what started you to, to, to say like, hey, I can apply these skills that I've learned as a performer to, to people in business and to people who like are looking for help, um, uh, you know, in, in, in doing presentations. And, and you know, we, we'll have to take a little commercial break maybe in between, and then when we come back, we'll finish up. But if you could just, just start to take us on that journey a little bit. Sure, thank you. Well, I worked as an actor on Broadway television and film uh, for about 15 years with okay. Paul Newman and James Earl Jones and ah. Kevin Kline. And I fell into teaching at NYU, and I was hired to teach theater classes, speech, okay improvisation, scene study, a number of skills that are related to theater Mm -hmm. and also related to communication skills. Presentations, Uh, business presentation skills was one of them. And I noticed that a number of people were coming to my classes who were working in corporate America and they had very, very impressive jobs. Uh, And you would imagine that they were great speakers, but they were not. You might imagine it because they had very high positions. Right. However, they actually needed some help with their presentation skills. Gotcha. So you would do, this was uh, like um, graduate level classes or continuing education classes at NYU? This was at the in the School of Continuing and Professional Studies at NYU. School of Continuing yes. Wow, wow, that's wonderful. So, so just by kind of seeing who was showing up and seeing sort of the need out there, you were like, oh, like I can help these people. That's exactly right. It really did not occur to me until I, uh, uh, some private, we'll call them students, clients at that, mm-hmm. private clients came my way, and it was clear that mm. they wanted and needed some help with their presentation skills, and it was very obvious that my training and my experience as an actor on Broadway and television and film could benefit them. Ah, wonderful, wonderful. All right, so before we go to break, just a quick shout-out to some of our uh, Facebook live stream listeners. Vincent, Carol, Cheryl, Robin, oh, great to see you guys uh, watching us on the Facebook live stream. Of course, if any of you want to ask a question of Maria or myself during the show, please just type it in the comments, and I'll read it off, and we'll answer it for you. Cheryl, great to see you as well. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, let's talk a little bit of sort of why it's so important, you know, whether you're, you know, a C-suite executive or an entrepreneur or a small business owner, why it's important to have these good presentation skills and, and we'll work our path along, you know, what things we should keep in mind with that. Okay, Maria? That's great. Wonderful. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. My guest this hour is Maria Guida, a speaking skills expert, and we will be right back. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.
want to connect with. Are you an entrepreneur or intrapreneur looking to build your following? Welcome to our show. Follow Me Friday with Joan and Priya. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern on talkradio.nyc. We're We're your digital connectors. connectors. Woo! Woo! What's that? (laughs) Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We're speaking this hour with Maria Guida, executive speech coach and professional speaker as well. So, uh, Maria, in addition to, to, to teaching people good speaking skills, you're actually a professional speaker. And we actually reconnected last year. Um, you may not remember because I, st- I was attending um, the local chapter of the National Speakers Association meeting for a while. And, and you know, my, my friend um, Jill Schiffelbeim invited me to come and I went there and there was like a dozen people there that I knew. I it was like, oh, this is like I should be here myself. <laughs> yeah, it's a great organization. You should be there. I would love it if you would join. Totally. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the only reason I'm, I'm not there now is because Friday mornings, which is when you have the meetings, I have radio shows from 11 to 2, so it's a little bit difficult for me to get out most Fridays. But uh, I, I definitely will come back. Yeah, it's a great organization. It is, it is. So, so, so first you're a performer, right? Yes. And then you started to, to be a teacher at NYU. Yes. And, and then you started sort of attracting some private clients to come in and help them with their presentation skills. And then when did you kind of make that shift or include in that becoming a professional speaker yourself? Well, I started my business in 2002. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started working with corporate executives on a regular basis. And then speaking engagements started to come to me. People asked me to speak, and generally Uh. my topic has to do with leadership presence. So basically Uh. I help people to enhance their credibility and their power to influence. Mm. And it's all about getting buy-in faster, whether you need buy-in from the C-suite, buy-in from a prospect, buy-in from a client, whoever it is who might be able to give you what you need in business, whoever that is, for that experience, you want to be able to persuade them. Right. And, and this is true regardless of whether you're on a stage up in front of dozens, hundreds, or thousands of people, or if you're just speaking with somebody one-on-one. That's right. Exactly. Because the m- most important thing is to be able to influence whether you're selling an idea Mm-hmm. or a product mm-hmm. or a service mm-hmm. and everyone is selling an idea or a product or a service Absolutely. even in one's personal life one is always Absolutely. selling an idea if right. you want something from your husband or wife right. or you want your <laughs> children to do something right you're basically selling an idea right. to put it at the, at the most personal level but it certainly goes beyond that in business and, and ultimately we're always always selling at least one thing and that's ourselves right I mean even we're going for a job interview we're selling ourselves how we speak during the interview 
also is going to affect, you know, what the interviewer thinks about us. That's right. We're selling our expertise. We're selling our value. And that's why on a job interview, it's so important to prepare ways to actually communicate the value that you can bring to the organization. Right, right. Now, now you mentioned before how, like, some of these C-suite executives and, like, pretty powerful business people, they come to you and you think, like, oh, they must be so confident. They should be good speakers. And they're actually not. Why is that? Because I think a lot of people would actually be kind of surprised at that. Well, it is true that one of the biggest factors in advancement up the corporate ladder is communication skills. And yet, sometimes it's daunting for people. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people remain nervous overly anxious, have a lot of anxiety. You probably heard that public speaking is the number yes. one fear <laughs> and that death is number two. two right? right, exactly. So everybody's heard that. And uh, in my experience, people do have a lot of nervousness and anxiety about various aspects of public speaking or even speaking one-on-one when the conversation partner is someone that you really want to impress or you really need something from. And so one of the things that I do is to help people to feel more confident and to be more persuasive. Wonderful. So maybe you can give us just some some small little quick tips about like when you first start working with somebody and you want them to to be a little more confident. Like what are some of the just the basic things you start with? Well, one of the things that I feel is really key is emotional intelligence. In Mm. other words, we really want to make sure that we're establishing a deep connection with the person that we're speaking to or if it's in a public speaking situation with the audience. So establishing trust is very, very important. So we need to use our voices and our body language to establish trust and credibility. And there are things that we can actually do with the voice and with Mm -hmm. body language to establish trust and credibility. Can you give us a couple of little examples? Sure, absolutely. You can actually create trust build trust with conversation partners and audiences when you're speaking publicly Mm -hmm. using the voice to build trust by borrowing a technique that actors use to practice and it's called endowment Mm, first of all why do actors use this technique well let's imagine that an actress needs to play a love scene with an actor whom in real life she actually dislikes let's mm-hmm. imagine that she found out that the actor was bad mouthing her behind her back to right. the producer of the play during the love scene <laughs> she needs to treat him as if she adores him right. to make the audience believe this well how right. can she do this convincingly right. she uses the endowment technique mm-hmm. she endows the other actor with qualities that will allow her to treat him lovingly, Hmm. treat him as if he were someone that she truly loves so that she can project Mm -hmm. the kind of qualities that are demanded in the script, treat him Hmm. as if she loves him. Now, how does this apply to business people? Sometimes business owners, people who work within corporations need to project a spirit of goodwill and trust in very challenging situations. Sometimes they need to do this during a challenging business meeting or a challenging negotiation or when they're not really feeling uh, a a, a genuine feeling of goodwill for the other person. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. Sometimes for political reasons, they have to mask their feelings. Mm -hmm. Well, when that happens, you can use the endowment technique with any notes that you have put together for a talk. Okay. Here are some of the steps that you can use to practice this with any notes that you've jotted down. Okay. Number one, choose a person from your own life, past, present, living, not living, male, female, in whose presence you feel cared for, trusted, respected, and admired. Mm. Cared for, trusted, respected, and admired. Okay. Step two, use the power of imagination as you speak your content aloud. As you speak, Imagine that that person is right there in front of you and take the time, and this is very important, take the time to allow yourself to be flooded with the powerful and positive feelings that you have about that person. Right. Step three, as you speak your content aloud, imagine that you are speaking as if you were speaking directly to that individual that's the endowment technique, and it will have a very, very powerful effect on the tone of voice that right, you use when you right. speak. And the more often you practice it, the more often you'll be able to project a spirit of goodwill and mm. warmth, right. even in the most challenging situations. It, it kind of goes back to our quote of the day about why being in love is so important, right? Because it's, it's how it makes us feel. So if you're really nervous, but you imagine somebody you love is right in front of you, and then you have that feeling of, love within you then when you speak that energy gets projected in your in your speech that's exactly right so ah, using the, pa the using the power of imagination is very very helpful and we can call upon right. our own past experiences in real life of having a loving relationship whether it's with a loved one a husband uh somebody who is just a, a, a friend with whom you have loving feelings right right and and you know, one of the things that, that you talk about, and I think it's so important that, you know, it's not only about sort of when you're speaking about being polished, but about being authentic, about really being who you are. Why is that so important when we're speaking to a group of people? I think one of the things that is most engaging to listeners is to understand that the person who is speaking is actually willing to share themselves. Mm -hmm. Sharing is the big thing. We talked about engagement before. We talked about making a, an emotional connection. And I think the thing that really gets people emotionally involved with others, and that means vulnerable, and that means mm -hmm. open to ideas, and that means open to being influenced. Right. One of the big thing is the sharing of self. It's the right. most courageous thing that one can do. It's also one of the most generous things that one can do. Mm. It leaves us vulnerable and it allows us to actually have a dynamic that is real between whoever we're speaking with and ourselves, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or to a group. And I think that that is what allows people to be truly moved, engaged, and influenced. Uh, uh, so... Um I'm just thinking, like, what are some of the ways in which, you know, lots of times people speak and they think they're being authentic and they think they're, they're, they're speaking well, but then there are little things that kind of pull people out of that, right? Right. 
yeah, there are some things that pull people out of authenticity. Nervousness does that. Mm-hmm. A feeling that one has to be a certain way in order to be accepted mm-hmm. will pull us out of our authentic selves. So there are a number of psychological factors and, uh, let's say, societal pressures right. that alter people's behavior so that they're actually not speaking from the heart right right and and it's and it's not that they're trying to be inauthentic it's not that they're trying to not be who they are but just these little things these nervousnesses these 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 you know feeling like you're unprepared or feeling like you're not good enough they kind of pull you out of really showing up and being present to your audience as, as you normally would be without it that's true very true Wonderful, wonderful. Okay, um, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, um, let's talk about some of like the common things that people don't necessarily do properly that maybe they can be a little more aware of um, in speaking that to help to um, support the message they're trying to get across. Absolutely. Wonderful. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, and we will be right back. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. If you have an interest in marijuana, you want to know about marijuana, law, policy, and culture, then feel free to join me, Joseph A. Bondi, every Friday at 11 o'clock in the morning on my show, In the Know 420 on TalkingAlternative.com. Hi, this is Rob Kay. And I'm Callie Alpert. And we're hosts of The Rob and Callie Show. Are you looking for a show that talks about real stuff like life, love, the pursuit of being yourself? Then you have come to the right place because we cover topics ranging from chivalry to gratitude to your relationship with money and everything in between. So listen to us on The Rob and Callie Show Tuesdays, 8 to 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.myc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We're speaking with speaking expert Maria Guida. Um, so, Maria, there are a lot of little things when we're giving a talk that tend to distract our audience and, and make us look unprofessional. Um, and this is something I learned a long time ago back when I was in Toastmasters. Um, I just did it right there, didn't I? I think you're talking about those pesky little filler words. Um, uh, so, you know, like, like... Yeah, you know is a big... Actually, I find now there are more um, 
you knows and likes than there are ums and ahs these days when I hear people speak. That's true. Many of my clients tell me that that's one of their biggest concerns, that they use a lot of filler words during their public speaking and when they speak one-on-one, when they're sitting in at the, when they're talking with people who are in the C-suite and they want right. to convince. And the problem with these ums and ahs is that they are a distraction. They rarely add content. They're usually right. just a distraction for the listener. Right. And you can practice minimizing your use of fillers with a technique that actors use when they're preparing to speak extemporaneously. So here's, ah. the, here's the strategy. This is a practice strategy. Set a timer for increasing periods of time, two minutes, five minutes, seven minutes, and record yourself speaking in extended sentences on a topic of your choice. Choose a topic okay. that you know well, something that you love speaking about, not your right. elevator speech and not a sales pitch another topic that you know well. And as you speak into the recording device, imagine that each word that comes from your mouth is connected to the next, which is connected to the next, which is connected to the next, the way pearls are connected on a string of pearls. And when you feel the urge to use a filler, stop yourself, pause, and say the filler silently to yourself. Then when the timer rings, play back the recording, Monitor yourself for fillers and then repeat the exercise. Now, as you start to feel comfortable with this exercise, you can increase the setting on the timer. Five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, until you can speak extemporaneously on new topics of your choice for 20 minutes straight without the use of fillers. I guarantee when you practice this, over time, you'll find that you are decreasing the number of fillers that you use and you'll sound more confident and more authoritative. Ah, okay. Yeah, I I always found it, like for me, it was just such an eye-opener when I first uh, was in Toastmasters and there was an um counter and an ah counter. And I never really realized up until that point how often, not just myself, but like everybody, even the good speakers, still would use those filler words. And so it got my ears sort of attuned to it from that point forward so that if I hear myself using a lot, I'm like, oh, I can't believe I, I was like umming and eyeing. And and now, um, and, and it's kind of like ruined me in a way that I can't listen to. I mean, I, I can, but it is very distracting for me to to listen to somebody and it doesn't matter whether they're speaking or doing a radio show a podcast or or a webinar or anything like that like if i hear a lot of those you know like um ah, it, i find it really distracting now so it's like my ears are ruined <laughs> that's a good thing yes. because you're more conscious that's a real that's a terrific thing absolutely absolutely and i've heard it said that um what you said in in sort of the exercise that it it's better to just pause and leave just a moment of silence than it is to actually say a filler word because uh, i don't remember why but but the feeling i get is that because it's better to sound like you're thinking about what you're going to say than to put a filler word in well you're bringing up a terrific point and that is the power of the pause yes Many of my clients are very, very speedy talkers. 
Ah. Not only are they speedy talkers, but they do not allow ideas to land within the listener. Ah. And I take people through a series of exercises to vary their pacing and to understand the power of the pause. Do you remember the great Shakespearean actor, Sir John Gielgud? Oh, yes, Sir John Gielgud. He He famously said, he was great, right? He famously said that the most important moments of a Shakespearean monologue are the pauses. Ah. Why is that? Well, during the pause, the audience is drawn in. The audience is wondering, what is this person going to say next? What is this person thinking during this silence? What is this person feeling during the silence? Many of my clients feel that they need to fill the pauses. In Western society, we are taught to fill that pause. In Eastern cultures, people respect silence a little bit more than we do in the West. They don't jump to fill in the pause. Right. But we are trained to jump and fill in the pause. And unfortunately, that does not help our cause when we want to make a point, explain a complicated situation, do data analysis, convince the C-suite that our numbers are correct and our analyses and our recommendations are correct. So this issue of the power of the pause is very, very key. And it also shows, how shall I say, uh, presence, right? When you're sort of standing up and you make a point and then you just hold that silence for a moment or two and you just be present with your audience, that that has a lot of power in it. Tremendous power. And what it says to the audience is, number one, what I have to say has value. And it has so much value that I want you to really get it and think about it. So I'm going to pause to allow you to digest what I just said. It says, what I have to say has value for you. Right. It also says, I am confident enough, as you implied, to stand before you, and we can all pause to think about what happened. There's tremendous, tremendous power in silence. Yes. And it also gives us an opportunity to feel the room, doesn't it? Absolutely. I I kind of feel that part of being a good public speaker is being able to feel the energy of the room. And I I don't want to sound too woo-woo about this, but it is sort of an important thing. We we get a sense, we get a feeling from people, even if you want to relegate it to body language and eye movement and things like that. But just the feeling you get coming from the people that you're standing in front of you can feel, are they bored? Are they excited? Are they deeply thinking about what you just said? Are they considering it? Are they leaning your way? You actually, when you stand for just a moment in silence and, and feel the room and really be present, you get a sense of that from people, don't you? That's exactly right. And it goes back to what I mentioned earlier, which has to do with emotional intelligence. We Ah. want to key into the conversation partner or the business audience, whoever it is that's listening. We need to take the time 
to key into them. If we don't take time, then we are rushing through our ideas. We're not respecting the listeners. We're not saying, I respect you enough to take time with you, time for you to digest, time for me to digest what I just said. Right. I might I may need to pause to right. digest what I just said <laughs> before going on. Right. And also what I say is very much influenced by how you're responding to what I said previously. That's conversation. I don't know what right. I'm going to say next. Right. right? That, if I plan what I'm going to say next, that's not a conversation. Now of course in public speaking we do plan what we are going to say. But as you said earlier, we have to leave space for the audience to be and for them to feel that they are active participants in a dialogue. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, it's interesting. You have me thinking about the difference between the extemporaneous speaking and the prepared speaking. Because while I, I started my sort of public speaking career having been on a speech and debate team in, in college and, and then getting involved with Toastmasters after college. So I got used to writing out a speech and then giving it. Over the years, I've be- I really love the extemporaneous speaking. I really love not being overly prepared and just having an outline or knowing the talking points of what I want to uh, cover but not necessarily every word and so it makes it kind of different and unique every single time but recently last uh, a a little over a year ago in april of 2016 i had the opportunity to do a ted talk and so for that i was very prepared knew everything and over and over again practiced the talk practiced the talk so i really knew it well and it was it felt so weird to me because I was so used to doing the extemporaneous speaking to now doing a very prepared talk. It, it, it was like having to exercise a new muscle in the gym that I hadn't exercised for years. So interesting that you talk about this because when we prepare something, it has to have the same feeling as extemporaneous talking. It has to have the same feeling as conversation. This is the reason why actors who ultimately are speaking a script or ultimately speaking a screenplay start rehearsal with improvisation. Because Ah, we have to to speak a prepared script as if it is being spoken the first time ever on the planet. So even if I do eight performances a week of a Chekhov play on Broadway, and I'm saying those lines eight times a week, I have to say each line as if it's been said the first time ever, completely, completely conversationally. And and that's the thing I find so amazing, and this is why I, I am so in awe of, of theater actors, of how they can come on night after night after night for weeks at a time, basically... Or a year, or, or two year, years or if two you're years. in a hit play. You're per, if you're lucky right. enough to be in a hit, you've got a t- it's a harder job. And you're performing the exact same line, that's right. yet each performance, it has to sound like they're just saying it naturally in this situation and it becomes harder and harder the longer the run yes so if you're lucky enough to be in a long run and i've been in some long runs on broadway 
the longer the run, the harder it is to keep it fresh. And so we have technique that allows us to keep it fresh. And some of those techniques are techniques that I teach my professional business clients. Wonderful, wonderful. Okay, it's time for us to take our last commercial break of the show, believe it or not. Uh, time flies when we have such a wonderful, amazing guests like you, Maria. Thank you. Um, so we're going to go to break. When we come back, um, I just want to talk maybe a little bit about starting and ending a talk and how that's some of the most important times of, of doing our, our speech. And then uh, we'll let the audience know how they can find you, okay? Sounds great. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to The Conscious Consultant. Now we're awakening humanity, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and TV? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your host on TalkingAlternative.com. I've been professionally writing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for almost 15 years. Catch my show, Secrets of the Sire, at its new primetime slot, Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to SecretsOfTheSire.com. Hello, this is Mark Torres. And Pronto Comics' own Dominic Sperano. And listen to our show, It Came From the Radio, right here on talkradio.nyc, every Wednesday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We talk about entertainment, movies, comic books, and other news. So make sure you check us out. That's right here, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, every Wednesday, talkradio.nyc. TalkingAlternative.com Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour Awakening Humanity. We've been speaking this hour with professional speaker, speaking coach, and speaking skills expert, Maria Guida. Um, Maria, so uh, for this last segment, a couple of things I want to touch upon because I remember hearing this years ago that the two most important parts of giving a talk are how you start and how you finish. And I was wondering if perhaps you can give our audience some advice around those. Absolutely. You know, experts tell us that it only you only have about 10 or 15 seconds to make a good first impression. And so the way you begin your presentation is very, very important. Of course, the way you end the presentation is also very important because it's the last thing that people 
take with them when they leave your presentation. So it's the thing that they might remember the most. The beginning and the end are the parts that they remember most. As a matter of fact, they are so important that those are the only parts of a presentation that I suggest that my clients memorize. Everything else should be internalized. That means rehearsed, perhaps rehearsed with notes, rehearsed improvisationally so that you internalize the content and what you say is not said exactly the same way each time. But the beginning, the first sentence or two, and the final sentence or two, once you've honed it and crafted it in a way that's truly effective, should be memorized so that when you begin, you feel as comfortable as Ah, possible. I see. So that you don't have to rely on your imagination or your inspiration when you begin your talk. You know exactly how you're going to begin. And one of the most important things about beginning is to take a moment when you stand in front of your audience and pause. Aha, there we and go back to that we moment. We go back of to the pause. Pause, take them in, take the temperature of the room. Yes. Rely on emotional intelligence. See what the vibe is in the room. You're an yes. energy person, so you understand this is yes. all about the <laughs> energy in the room. So, right. what do I do in the silence before I begin the beginning of the presentation? I breathe. A deep inhalation, hold it perhaps for a count of five as I'm smiling. Mm. So the smile is key. Some of my clients tell me, oh, I don't feel like smiling or my talk is not really uh, a very happy talk. Well, that's really a lack of understanding about a reason to smile. I tell my clients, you always have a reason to smile. And here's the reason. What you're about to say is going to help your listeners do business better. (laughs) Even if you believe that it's bad news, the bearing of bad news is designed to help people find a solution to the bad news and do business better. You're giving them information. You're giving them something to educate them. So at the very least, they're more educated. And they're more aware rather than being unaware and uneducated. That's exactly right. And the beginning and the end of the presentations, of course, have to demonstrate a love for the audience and passion about the subject. So that everything one says in the presentation, no matter what is said, has to be said with the feeling, I love being here with you. Ah, I love that. I love that. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Um, just trying to think of, of what would be best in the little bit of time that we have left. Do you have any like top pearls of wisdom or secrets around public speaking that we haven't touched upon yet that you would want to let our audience know? Top secrets about public speaking. I would say that it's important to remember that rehearsal is very important. Some of my clients say, oh, I don't want to rehearse because I don't want to appear stale. I don't want to appear scripted. And I say, well, if that's your fear, then it means to me that you don't know how to rehearse correctly. Ah, For an actor, rehearsal is the process of behaving in a way that is completely conversational. That is what the rehearsal process is about. It's about taking intention, intention that the playwright wrote, 
and speaking it in a way that serves the script, serves the playwright's intention, and sounds completely spontaneous. And that's why the techniques for rehearsal that are designed to help us sound fresh are the things that business people need to rehearse when they are getting ready for a business presentation. Mm. So I would say rehearse, correct rehearsal, not just rehearsal. And some people say, oh, yes, well, I rehearse. I, I went over it in my mind a few times. <laughs> rehearsal, <laughs> right. Rehearsal yeah. does not mean you read it over in your mind. Rehearsal means you speak aloud because our muscles have memory. Right. So not right. only do we need to hear ourselves speak as we're rehearsing, but we need to feel what it feels like in the mouth. And you asked for some top secrets. And I would say that one of the other very important things to remember is that we speak for the listener's ear, but we write for the reader's eye. Some of my clients come to me and do their presentations for me for critique, and they sound like a book. They sound like they're speaking a piece of writing. And I often say to them, does your mouth feel good saying that? (laughs) Is that a mouth-friendly phrase? Yes. I know exactly. If it doesn't feel good saying it, find other words. Find a conversational way of saying it. When you're writing, if you're writing an email or you're writing a document, that's a very different situation. Then you want to write in a way that is eye friendly for the reader, Mm -hmm. which is a very different situation from being ear friendly for the listener. Right, right. Listening to you give these, one other thing came to mind. It's something that I noticed, and I guess this is primarily in sort of the personal development world of seeing speakers in the last 10 years or so. I all of a sudden noticed people starting to work on engaging their audience by asking questions during their talk and giving a moment for the audience to respond. And and it was always kind of a like a question where the audience would automatically respond yeah or yes or something like that. But but somebody I know one time when I, I did that, they said it, it sounded amateurish. So I'm just curious, what's your view on in terms of engaging an audience, like asking obvious questions to just get a response to know that they're engaged? Or should you just ask a question and just let the audience think about it and keep moving forward in your talk? I think the answer depends on the type of questions you're asking. Meaning that if it's going to be a question that is going to make the listeners think and it's deeply connected to the main idea of your presentation, then it's a valid question. But if it's a question just for the sake of asking a question, hoping to get the audience involved, then it's really right. not going to be effective. It's not going, going to achieve the result that you're looking for. Okay. Uh, are, I mean, should we be working towards getting the audience more involved when we're talking to, to keep them more interested? We are always always in the business of keeping the listener engaged in whatever way is appropriate based on the situation, our relationship to the listeners, and our content. So absolutely, we always want to keep the listeners engaged with our vocal demeanor and our physical demeanor. Keeping them engaged does not mean that they are answering questions. They can be completely mesmerized listening 
So if I'm standing in front of an audience or if I'm speaking one-on-one as I'm speaking to you right now, my job is to focus on your needs, what it, what it is that you already know and what it is that you need to know, what it is that you want to know. It's all about my focus on the listener. Uh, right, because it's, it's about being in service. Absolutely. Right? It's Absolutely. Ha- how am I serving how my I, audience? That's it. How am I serving my audience? And if my idea is that I'm there for me, well, then I need to get off the stage. <laughs> Which is in some ways counterintuitive, but is exactly the way to be the best presenter that you can be. Well, audiences always know when you're yes. there for yourself. They know the difference yes. between your being there to serve them and your being there because you're into your ego because actually whenever you are not there to serve the audience and you project a preoccupation with yourself they interpret it as either egotism or a lack of confidence ah gotcha gotcha yeah exactly exactly Thank you so much, Maria. Oh, you're it's so welcome. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. It's I, been I do, a joy. I do have to apologize to our Facebook live stream viewers. We did have some technical issues, so we, we, we lost a little bit of the middle section. But if you want to hear the entire interview, make sure you go to talkradio.nyc and uh, listen to the recording, and you can get the entire audio, even if you missed the video. So if uh, people want to learn more about you, Maria, where can they find you? How can they learn more about where you'll be? and what you'll be doing. Oh, thanks so much. Yes, if you'd like to learn more about how to speak successfully for business, log on to our website and join our mailing list. We'll send you additional free tips for successful speaking. Visit SuccessfulSpeakerInc.com and I can always be reached via phone or email. My office phone is 718-884-2282. 8842282 and my email maria at successfulspeakerinc.com and i do have some speaking engagements coming up and you're welcome to email or phone me if you'd like some information about those as well and and they can always catch you at the national local new york city national speakers association chapter meeting wonderful and you work with people like around the world like virtually not just locally absolutely i do skype coachings i do conference call coachings i have i have clients all over the world wonderful because we have listeners all over the world that's great well thank you maria it's been a pleasure having you thank you so much Uh it's been a pleasure to be here with you Great. I appreciate that. And a big thank you to all of our listeners around the world. And just a quick announcement, just a little teaser. I want to let everybody know that we watch out for an announcement about a new show coming on on talkradio.nyc. Um, if you sign up for our mailing list, you'll be among the first people to know about it when it starts. So make sure you go to talkradio.nyc and join our newsletter. Thank you guys so much for listening. Remember, more live new shows tomorrow, Friday, and we will talk to you next week. You are listening to the Talking Alternative Network.
you want to connect with. Are you an entrepreneur or intrapreneur looking to build your following? Welcome to our show. Follow Me Friday with Joan and Priya. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern on talkradio.nyc. We're, We're your digital, digital connectors. connectors. Woo woo! What's that? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and TV? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your host on talkingalternative.com. I've been professionally writing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for almost 15 years. Catch my show, Secrets of the Sire, at its new primetime slot, Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to secretsofthesire.com. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Hi, this is Rob Kay. And I'm Callie Alpert. And we're hosts of The Rob and Callie Show. Are you looking for a show that talks about real stuff like life, love, the pursuit of being yourself? Then you have come to the right place because we cover topics ranging from chivalry to gratitude to your relationship with money and everything in between. So listen to us on The Rob and Callie Show, Tuesdays, 8 to 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.myc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.